Robert three times and nothing will happen. Okay, that's the first thing you said on, on the show. Yeah. Rub it three times and nothing will happen. It's uh, how it began and how it also will end this uh, epic odyssey. The Ouroboros. Do you have an epic odyssey or is an odyssey by definition epic? Uh, I think you can have a bigger epic. Am I over-egging the odyssey? I think you can have a massive odyssey uh, and it would be an epic one. A whopping odyssey? You know, I, I tend to stick to run-of-the-mill, uh, tedious, small yeah. Odyssey. Speaking of which, getting some chips, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or renewing my insurance, or doing a podcast, or doing a podcast, which we're doing right now. Hello, welcome to Stalemates. Mates that are stale. Good yeah. evening, or good afternoon, or good morning. It's for you to guess. Yes, well, it doesn't matter. It's, it's to them to tune. It's in whenever, whenever you're hearing it. Yeah, it's exactly. literally as it's situationist podcasting at its finest. Them. I like the idea. Um, right, today's show is going to be about Radio Joe. On the radio. On the radio. Radio Gaga. Let's not do that yet. Let's not get bogged down um, in radio type. So we're going to be talking about all aspects of radio. No, we're not. We're going to talk about very few aspects of radio because it's a large subject. Um, we'll be focusing on that phenomenon of electromagnetic waves that have a certain frequency that allow us to transmit music and voices. Do you understand the science? I understand some of the science, yeah. It's uh, on the... Uh, the less frequent or the the, the, the bigger frequency ends of the uh, electromagnetic spectrum and on the other end of the spectrum is visual light they're all part and parcel of the same spectrum I'm genuinely half impressed yeah yeah. it's good that you're half impressed yeah. so any me, any, me, anything to the right of, of infrared classifies as radio waves let me get you a coaster there very much um, whilst I'm expounding on radio waves I also best if I don't spill any of that red wine I'm not sure that's the best coast. I'll, I'll get something better for you yeah, later on. It's a CD rock. Okay, so what we'll be talking about this week, I'll give you a quick rundown of what you can expect in this week's podcast or this month's podcast. Let's be serious. Um, there'll be um, a Bertolt Brecht poem in John's Poetry Corner. Um, we'll be talking about a terrible film called The, the Boats, Boats That, that Rocks. And we will be adding things to our ever addable. Is that a thing? Can you say that? Ever addable? Ever addable too. You could say it. I'm not sure it would. Uh... Oh, I don't think I'll say it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's fit for broadcast, but no, I'm not sure I am. But or in purpose. Yeah, um, which, is, which is why we kind of do a podcast as opposed to a radio show. This is preparation for our radio show, and more of which later we'll be talking about our own excursions into radio. Yeah, this is a dry run for that. But we we'll play. We'll be playing on that uh, such songs as Radio Free Europe. Uh, radio Gaga, oh yeah, on the radio by Roxy Music. Of course. Uh, video Gaga, the radio star on the radio transmission. Uh, radio Heart by Mr. Gene Newman. Radio Activity by Mr. Craftwork. Panic by The Smiths, think about it. And Radiohead by David Byrne and others. Just yeah. lots of others. Or Deep D Burn, as you like to call it. Deep Burn. Deep, Deep Burn. Um, so there'll be all that to look forward to once we think about saying those things. So welcome to the radio edition of stalemates cue the music cue the music Okay, so I'm going to start with a factoid, I guess. Okay, go on. Um, I'm just going to try and find my list of factoids. I've got a really boring one, which I'm not going to start with. Because um, it also involves me saying uh, Marconi's first name. Okay. Which I have struggled with. Yeah, Marconi was his first name? Well, that's that's what I'm struggling with. Let's see the spelling. It's Guelmo. Guelmo. Guelmo Marconi. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows the G is silent. And the first L is silent. Well, Marconi obviously was the uh, alleged inventor of uh, radio. Um, but did you know, Joe, that Marconi was the great-great-grandson of John Jameson, founder of the Jameson Irish Whiskey Company? Get the heck out of Dodge. I'm not even going to do that, because that's a true fact right there. There is a, there's an Irish connection with Marconi, of course. Apparently he first broadcast... Yeah, I just gave you one. There's another one. He broadcast the first radio signal from Rathlin Island, apparently. Well, I've investigated that claim. Is it bullshit? It's not quite bullshit. 
Bulldozed? It's not even quite bulldozed. We shouldn't swear. You're no. right. You're right to correct me, even though I was for the youngins listening. In. No, for my mum. My mum listens in. She doesn't like the language. If you're going to listen to this, listen to it after the watershed, which is about nine thirty. Then you should be okay. Mm. I can't even swear on the Vinnie Harlow show, you know. Yeah. They won't let which is a radio show that you're on. It is a radio show. I'm occasionally on when he feels like it. Um, Vinnie, he means. What happened was that, uh, yeah, Marconi was going to be there, and then he didn't. He sent an assistant to come along. Um, but he did turn up eventually. Yeah. Because his assistant's assistant fell off a cliff. Uh, and <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, Marconi but... Marconi spent four days in Ballycastle and then went out to see where he fell off as... Uh, so he didn't actually broadcast any radio waves from there, he just went Well, he to... didn't personally, but I mean, the company he was working for did. Yeah. So, but there was waves involved when yeah. his assistant fell. Well, I think, well I'm, plummeted. Not sure, I'm not sure if he fell in the sea, that would be the end of him. Mm. He might have swam to safety. Unless he was a puffin. It's a great, it's a great spot for puffins. Is it? They're incidentally known as the clowns of the sea. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, just, get, just thought I'd get that in. <laughs> There's also uh, there, there, there's a recent uh, there's a book by a, a local novelist Bernie Bernie McGill who uh, posits it's a it's fiction mind you posits that Marconi did in fact uh, broadcast from Rathlinghounds. We we're uh, we're invited to a book club the pair of us to, yeah, go, to read yeah. that book. But I, I, I I didn't go. I read the cover. I think I got the gist. It looked it, yeah, you know, it looked nice. It's yeah. quite romantic. It looked yeah. like a sort of Catherine Cookson vibe. The thing about this this book club was my girlfriend went to this book club uh, and she neglected to read the book. Yeah. Not her fault. The Amazon delivery came a little late. It wasn't the next day. Her mistake. Always go prime. What what, what happened? Uh, well, I basically gave her some crib notes that I'd ripped from the internet, and apparently she cruised it. Apparently she knew as much, if not more, than uh, some of the people there, including one loud American. Oh. This is suitably vague, so no no one's going to be identified. I hope. I can name names. Ah, anyway, uh, I, can, well, I can name. I can, I can. I can put you right in it. It's not the two Americans that you might be that you might go to. <laughs> when might I don't get to? John, there is a third American. A third American. Yeah. on the mountain. Um, right. Well, yeah. I've been, I've been asked to start a book club. Who asked you that? I don't know name names, but yeah. Someone, someone we know. Yeah, someone we both yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, why, but, why, why can't they do it? Why do they have to drop it on the? Well, look, I think we're both starting it together, but I don't think we're going to do it because it probably won't happen. Uh, they, they, these things never do. You start it, start it, You know, the, the intention is there. Everybody yeah. means well. People start flagging after uh, you know a successful week one. By the fourth or fifth outing, no one gives a fuck. You know, bitterness, recrimination, language, acrimony, yeah. language. No one gives a fudge. Yeah. Um. After the watershed, listen yeah. to this. After the watershed, well, we've had this experience with our own uh, folk, folk horror film club. Well, let's not go slagging off the folk horror film club. No, no, fine bunch of which uh, apparently I can't say. Fine bunch of folk horror film clubbers. Yeah. Well, it was it was fun times while it lasted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess you know the moving fickle finger of fate has yeah. moved on on that one. But John, you said uh, Marconi was the first man to broadcast a video. With, I said he was the first man to play the mamba. Listen no. to the radio number nine. No, that's a totally no, different song. That's a totally different song. Yeah. However, I always thought. That... <laughs> However, John. However. <laughs> However, I always thought saying it nicely. It's one of the most charming things about the Northern Irish accent. Thanks very saying, much. Saying "However." Thank you. Uh, uh, you do sound like uh, an errant landowner who's returned to discover that his uh, his crofters are rather yeah, more, so, more pleasant uh, than he realised. Let to tousle your hair. Well done. Well done, Seamus. I'm uh, not going to turf you out of your peat lodge now. Who was the first voice on Radio One? You know this. I think that's one of my fun facts further down the line. Well, I, no, it isn't. Maybe. Well, I don't. I don't know what you're going to say. I'm going to posit that the the popular notion. Yeah. That it's Tony Blackburn. It's both the popular and the correct notion. Right. And his first words were, "And good morning, everyone. Welcome to the exciting new sound of Radio One." That's exactly right. He was also done it for Radio Two, though, which is confusing. At it, the was same a, time. it was a simulcast. Yeah. But he said Radio 1, he didn't suddenly go, and 2, he just said Radio 1. That's because nobody gave a shit about Radio 2. And what was the first song that was played? I can tell you that as well. It's The Move, um, and... Oh my god, hang on, hang on. It's not I Can Feel the Earth. I Can Feel the... uh, uh, Ah, this is driving me insane. It's... uh, I can feel the grass growing under my feet, is that it? out of your misery. Come on then. Flowers in the rain. Flowers in the rain. Oh, that's annoying. Do you remember the um, the steam Dave Lee Travis's the the hairy cornflake? Uh, he, he had a well. How could you? We still still in therapy. 
Um, he had a, a program on BBC One in the eighties called Golden Oldie Show. Golden Oldie Show, oh, Golden Oldie Picture Show. Picture Show. Yeah, because there was indeed a visual aspect to it. Yeah, it was indeed. It would have been shit for TV. It would have been terrible for TV otherwise. What it was, viewers or listeners, um, was that uh, DLT would enlist top enlist. whack enlist <laughs> top whack um, video makers of commission, the day yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd commission out of his own pocket out the kindness of his heart the draft um, you got the call you he, answer it he sold one of the cars one of the dragsters to, to fund this endeavour um, he would fund uh, he would get classic songs from the 60s when music was good and he could understand it and the licence had, had expired so he, he yeah, could play it with impunity and get video makers to make videos for but the videos were always um, like little tableaus that later went on to uh, advertise KTEL records yeah Men looking pensive on hills while a woman's picking flowers in the in the nearby valley. Yeah, hats blowing off in a, in a, in a yeah. breeze at a, at a picnic. Someone, what, someone treading on a cake. While Scott Walker's hitting the high note. Yeah. Uh, interspersed with the big Harry Cornflake himself, who's remained unblemished through the, the, the recent ugly business uh, that's affected so many radio DJs. We'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on that. Well, hang on. I don't think he has remained unblemished. Uh, there's a stain on his character there is a stain on his character I've completely forgotten about the stain yeah. on his character oh there's a stain on his character yeah. so butter would melt in DLT's mouth you know big Harry Cornflake but he is merely a groper thanks for a new poster poster yeah. <laughs> poster merely a groper and not a paedophile yeah uh, he, he so he's got that going for I him. believe his defence was that the breasts that he grouped were belonged to people over the age of 18 yeah therefore your honour it, was, it was okay it was a legal bosom it was a bit of fun that's just how it was in those days. Simpler times. Yeah. Horrific, times. horrific, horrific. Uh, the Golden Oldie Picture Show. Um, I, I remember watching it. But Flowers in the Rain was one yeah, of the yeah, songs yeah. they picked. Yeah. Um, terrible TV programme. It wouldn't get made now. It's the kind of idea that Alan Partridge would be pitching now for a revival of and be disappointed at the lack of vision by BBC commissioning editors. It, well, Which is what I share, frankly, yeah, at the moment. Yeah, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that's fairly, that, fairly more familiar. Of that, more of that later. Uh, really do we have to wait you know I don't like to defer my pleasures alright okay uh, well, let's, let's, hear the, let's hear the bitterness now <laughs> just as you uh, are enjoying a, some a degree of success I, I will grant who on, on you you on a on a graveyard shift radio show on Mondays Finney Hurl Radio Ulster tune in <laughs> I've yeah, been I uh, am very good I've been actually. in meetings with, with, with uh, radio station about uh, making my own programme and it's um, it's been proving uh, quite a laborious process. In fact, I'm bored. I'm bored of pitching the radio right now. now. Would this be the Joseph Nemaus comedy hour? The comedy half hour, not even an hour. I didn't want to inflict an hour on them. Just a half hour. You're only starting to get going after 20 minutes. Yeah, half an hour of coming in your ears I thought would be more than enough for any listener. Yeah, um, so I had a meeting today at a certain radio station that rhymes with Bolster. Um, anyone guess what that might be? Uh, well, you, it rhymes with uh, radio Bolster. BBC. It rhymes with Hideo Bolster. It could be. It could be anything. No, it's Radio really Ulster, then, isn't it? It might be Radio really Ulster. It might be Radio really Ulster. I'm all intuitive. Uh, and the, the meeting was going fine. It was myself and our producer, and we were pitching to this group of execs. <laughs> execs. Yeah, one, one, you know, a, a nice woman and a bloke, a tiny bloke in braces, and a, and a goatee, a strategically shaved goatee. Aren't they all strategically shaved? Though? Now, are you not worried that this is going to queer your pitch somewhat? Uh, if, you're, if you're slagging off the very people who might employ yeah, you. I'm, Quietly confident that these aren't the sort of people who would listen to radio or indeed our podcast. The fact they didn't listen to radio hasn't hampered their careers, by the way. I think he might be right, actually. I think he might be on the money. So um, I, I came out of it none the wiser and kind of, I mean, um, kind of a little bit bemused, nonplussed, you might say. Yeah. They kept throwing questions at me, which I believe were part of the pitch that we'd already made. Right. Um, so I had to repeat myself several times as if. I hadn't thought of that idea in the first place, so I had to say it like I was stupid and I was catching up with with their brilliant vision, which I, I came out slightly disappointed in. So to be honest, no, uh, I think that's how you do it. I think you, you, you I need, think you have to suck it up. Yeah, you need to be in modern business parlance. Yeah, agile. Yeah, yeah, and you need to roll with the punches. Agile like panther, like mental panther, like a like, mental like panther. a mental Who, panther, well, a definitive panther. No, a mental panther. Is the mental panther not definitive? Have you seen a, a panther? A mental, they are mental. A mental panther is just an animal walking backwards and forwards in a zoo. That's a horrible image. That's a depressed panther. That's different. That panther, could, with a bit of therapy, could come out the other end. How do you give therapy to a mental panther? panthers? Need laudanum, them man. very carefully, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with great diligence. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, and, and due care. 
the question came up or this phrase came up and I quote I'm not even joking yeah yeah Joe we know you can do comedy but how deep are you prepared to dig at which stage it was all I could do not to burst out laughing and I see I'm, I'm impressed they thought you could do comedy I was impressed they thought I could yeah, do comedy I thought you were halfway home I didn't want to quibble yeah I, quite, no, don't. I, I, I went with that bit but I did raise an eyebrow I'll take that to the how deep I was prepared to dig I, I almost was tempted to say I'm prepared to dig all the way to 11 but I just thought it well, you know and the problem with radio is you can't just think it you have to say what you're thinking because dead air is a crime it is a crime do, do you know what, what the format would be for this then so is it like a series of half hour shows um, or would it be just one half no, hour John, show we're, we're, we're talking pilot to see if this baby's got legs and can take off to totally mix the metaphor right so, so there's a, simply a pitch for a pilot are you not worried you're going to run out of backstory uh, the, I'm going to spunk it all in the pilot and then but you've got nothing oh well no the, the backstory which is the backstory which is uh, the one man live show which I'm doing which is totally useless for, for a programme about radio he's Little doing it again it. in the future it's not a problem <laughs> tickets will be available plenty again. of opportunities to say yeah. that's merely a starting point for this odyssey a springboard for your yeah, odyssey an epic odyssey if you right. will the word epic will be coming back later whenever you do your Brechtian poem it's not even a Brechtian poem it's a poem by Brecht well but it's Brechtian as it's well also it's also Brechtian, Brechtian. The, the one thing you know about Brecht is he's wildly Brechtian I don't know is that Brechtian it's quite modest and small do you feel alienated afterwards well I feel alienated after everything but does it make you question after every social interaction does it make you question the institutions that control the means of production um, when have I not questioned those you're always questioning you're questioning them I'm doing it right now look, look, look at that, that look on your yeah. face it's the most quizzical look I've ever seen <laughs> and you're not even the means of production I'm really not far from it <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, he's I'm not wrong. I look forward to hearing your uh, radio show, which I definitely think is going to happen at some point. Yeah, we'll see. And you know, getting it, in that room and pitching a Stelmates radio show as well for down the line. It depends how far I'm prepared to dig. How deep I'm prepared to dig. I think you're quite lazy. I haven't even got a shovel. Yeah, I don't think you'll do it. I've, I've got a mental trial. <laughs> <laughs> if that's any help to proceedings, uh, like Professor Alice Roberts, like Professor Alice uh, Roberts, lovely Professor Alice Roberts. Hers is just enigmatic more than mental. Uh, lovely squinty eyes. That's <laughs> Professor. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm you know along. Professor Alice Roberts. Is she, is she the Charlie Demick of archaeology? She's far from that. How dare you? Charlie Demick is the apo- apotheosis. It is of, hard to say. Uh, yeah, ape, I was going to say, apithosis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apotheosis. The apot- of... Apotheosis of TV investigative ladies. <laughs> she, that's Jemima Shaw, surely. She also has a range of products in uh, the pine store near me. Is that right? Yeah, Charlie yeah. Demick's bulbs. What? Yeah. Oh, like seedlings and things. Charlie Demick's forks, Charlie right, Demick's right, right, uh, right, right, solar right. lumps. Uh, I don't know why they're all called, uh, I don't think they're necessarily called Charlie Demick's, and then the name of the thing, yeah, but uh, I think it's just to kind of differentiate them from standard point shop bulbs well Professor Alice Roberts is a very different kettle of lady that's not the woman who wrote Colour Purple no that that's Alice Walker sense. Alice Walker yes I'm right. always getting those two mixed up it's a, it's one a, is blonde ringlets she doesn't she has um, she has lovely purple hair at the moment oh right there Wacky. And, uh, I bet she likes Julia Coates a lovely Coates. smile and a little Bristol accent Oh, she sounds like an Oliver Eve. Fan. I sounded very creepy there when I said, yeah. why has she got a little Bristol accent? That's a little Bristol accent. A lovely little Bristol accent. I think we should move on. Yeah, and also the word, the word Bristol is very contentious. Let's move swiftly on. Uh, see, my brain didn't go there, but I can see what you're meaning now. Uh, let's, your, let's brain, your brain didn't cognitively go there, but subconsciously, I think you were all over that. Like, Let's go to another fun fact. And From I the mental trial to a fun fact. I think you'll enjoy this one particularly. Shoot. It's good. Hit me. Broadcast this to me. Fun fact. Radio 2's Ken Bruce. Oh, I won't do the voice. Lovely Ken Maybe I'll try. Bruce. Radio 2's Ken... No. No, no, that's not. Uh, Radio 2's Ken Bruce has a licence to drive a Routemaster double-decker bus. And... <laughs> and owns six of them. <laughs> that he rents out for weddings and funerals. Now, I found that last bit disquieting. Who is renting a funeral bus? Where does one keep the coffin on a double-decker? I think they've got that under under floor storage unit. Under the the chassis, the containment. I think it's probably more for the passengers. It's bespoke, do you think? It's more for people coming to the funeral. Is it painted black? Is it a bus of mourning? I don't know. <laughs> you, can, you have to imagine it's it's like a death bus. We've got to look into this, man. But it's like you know, dead of night when there's the, the, uh, Miles Madison goes. Yeah. Room for one more inside, yeah, yeah. sir. Is there a funeral conductor? A, a, a driver? Ken Bruce going. Room yeah. for one more inside, sir. With a top hat and the veil. Is that? Is that collecting stubs I imagine so yeah 
Has it got the, is it like an old room master with the door off that you can just leap on yeah. and leap off? The kind of blicky used to jump on and yeah. admonish Reg. Uh, and this testing for skids. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whip Snape Park. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, a leopard's got on a bus. What are you doing, Blakey? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I do them all. I do all the 70s ones. You really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The full garment. That's, well, and the... Uh, I might want to do that. I, I wonder if the if the wedding bus doubles as the funeral bus. He just gives it a quick lick of paint and it's good to go. It's a different livery though, isn't it? Really, yeah. you think you think you dress it slightly differently. Yeah, you don't want really to get married in the, in the funeral bus in a black bus unless you're a goth. In which case, in a black bus with a, with a lowered space for a coffin in the middle, that maybe would cast a gloom over the of the day's proceedings. <laughs> does Ken Bruce drive the bus for you as well? I don't think he gets that involved. That would be wonderful. That would be the PS delivers a stuff. I would me. like to see that. And he, he does a quick tour. He has a microphone and explains all the hot spots on the way. Yeah. To if it's an area that he knows, for example. I know here, Sheba Easton, <laughs> uptown girl. But the Cambrus, a Cambrus hot mix, a hot wedding mix. Imagine that though. He filled the. Imagine if he did the, the disco. I'd want to get married just to have all that happen. Just to see Ken Bruce in all the photographs. And possibly die a week he's, later. He's shining, just, just he's to... shining Pate under the <laughs> disco lights. Oh, Bruce, Ken. It, or Bruce I don't know which one you answer to if you're listening to this and, and I don't see any reason why you wouldn't um, call me yeah um, let me know whether or not you're available for weddings the hydraulic like, doors like, are always like, open like a full service um, <laughs> yeah okay um, what should we do now uh, is it time for the poem John's Poetry Corner is it is it now ordinarily what we'd like to do at this juncture is to get Susan in to play the flute uh, but I'm afraid she's gone to work. Susan has elected to go to work rather than play the flute for the, our podcast. Can you imagine? That's what she. That's the length she'll go to. Susan would rather go and work with helpless old people than play a bit of flute for us. Okay. Well, in that case, we'll just have to sing it as per. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, has Susan got the uh, got the notes down pat? Because I'm not sure that we do. She's an intuitive musician. She'll just fall yeah. in with us. I see. It, it seems to me. Have we fixed on a melody for this? I think it's, we've been fairly consistent. It's fairly. It's starting to crystallise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, should we give this a go? Give it a go. Yeah. Okay. John's poetry corner. Ching. On ninety-six FM. Throw a finger symbol in there. Just oh, very good. The yes, yeah, yes. Nice. Okay, so John's poetry corner uh, this week. It's going to be radio poem because the theme is radio it works really well yeah. Yeah. Uh, by Bertolt Brecht epic and it goes something like this you little box held to me escaping so that your valves should not break carried from house to ship from sail to train so that my enemies might go on talking to me near my bed to my pain the last thing at night the first thing in morning of their victories and of my cares promise me not to go silent all of a sudden oof now brief that, that is brief luckily mercifully you know it's not that epic is it it's quite small quite tender quite uh, yeah quite moving quite fragile it's also, it's also there's something uh quite manic in it like he, if he loses this little box this crystal set this mine of information all yeah. will be lost I think that's true I think yeah. that's what he's clinging to and I think you know it's the, it's, a, it's a voice of a man in exile yeah who is clinging it's the to one, past certainties yeah it's the one gateway to his homeland to, to, yeah. to what's happening uh, and, you on, know, the, on the other side of the world he's hearing the ravages of his enemies and let's face it the, the ravages enemies, of the, his enemies the enemies in this case were the Nazis yeah 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 um, and he and, was, we, and we, we hit those guys I am so not down with the Nazis. Put that not. on a permanent record. Joe. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want that coming out. Are you unafraid to speak out on this? Listen, guys, I <laughs> Hitler was mad. You heard it here first. <laughs> Hitler was a right wally. You heard it here first. And Goebbels was a plonker. What was he thinking? Uh, I'm not a fan of any of them. Think, name another one. Uh, Himmler. Ugh. Himmler G- was Goering. Goering, <laughs> Goering was a fat dick. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of another one now. Off the top of my oh, head, there's loads. Uh, Lenny Riefenstahl, hello, hello, the jury's out. Rudolf Hages, he's Rudolf he, Hess. Um, Hages, the Re- Re- Reinhard Heydrich. Oh yeah, God. Uh, 
Albert Speer. Who was the one who got him to the plane and landed in Scotland? That was uh, Rudolf Hess. That was Hess, yeah. Hess was right. a, a, an Aryan asshole. <laughs> Bunch of... Di- yeah. what, what I like to call um, a bolus of wankers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A clutch take, of take Nazi... That. Take that all right. Dicks. We hit the Nazis, as did Brecht. Yeah. Uh, Brecht was an exile for most of the Second World War. And indeed, after the Second World War... He relocated to the States. Well, he went to... Let's have a look at the list. There, there's it's a list comprehensive. Um, he left in February of 1933 from Germany. He went to Prague, Zurich, Paris and Denmark. Uh, then he went to Sweden. And when Hitler invaded Norway and Denmark, he went to Helsinki. If you can imagine the Dad's Army arrows... Just, yeah, shunting just moving, him yeah, across. Wherever he goes, they keep following. So yeah. at the end, he had to, <laughs> the end, he had to fly across the Atlantic. Um, he then sorted off to America where the House of Un-American Activities Committee um, caught up with him uh, and uh, he had to give his testimony on the 31st of October 1947 and the next day he sodded off back to Europe. And he ended up settling in East Germany, one of the few people to voluntarily go back to East Germany when the Iron Curtain came down where he lived as a national hero. Uh, I thought before he, before he left America he did one good thing, he left Mac the Knife for Frank Sinatra that ardent anti-commie yeah. to blare out unironically Mackie Messer uh, fantastic man so a little bit of subversion it's right not, in the it's heart it's the first time uh, Frank has uh, not given the text close, close scrutiny indeed he's not a big reader no are, are we talking about the birth certificate of Mia Farrow that's not the text we're talking about <laughs> Ooh. That's mere speculation, Ooh, mere, like a conjecture. I don't think he can touch you now. Uh, well, his son's dead as well, so I think we're pretty much Nazi's still on the go. But I'm pretty sure she doesn't listen to Stillmits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you never know. So that's, that's two people we have to worry about: Morrissey and, and Nazi on, Sinatra, who happen to be friends. What's Mia Farrow's son, who looks suspiciously like Frank Sinatra? Ronan Farrow. Ronan Farrow. He's quite litigious. Yeah, Ronan. If you're listening, only a bit of fun, mate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a drink. It'll be great. It'll be cool. <laughs> Oh, Woody Allen's a dick, isn't he? Oh, what a, Fucking hell, that what guy. What a prize wanker. Woody Allen oh, and the Nazis. There's two, there's two things I hit. I, well, there's an irony there, you know. Well, quite, you know. yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's that's pretty much Bertolt Brecht, voice of my exile. So a, yeah. cr- a, a, a voice crying out in the wilderness. Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being shunted all over Europe and then the Americas. I quite like, I quite like the Brecht, Brecht aesthetic. He, he, he wore kind of a rough woolen kind of military high neck garb. Him and, him and Beckett uh, weren't just good writers. They knew how to dress because they weren't lookers, but they dressed pretty much impeccably. Well, I've always said Beckett has impeccable hair. Beckett, Beckett. But then I would. Because because of... Uh, My hair's the same, yeah, pretty much. It's not got as much lard in it as his. Beckett's was slightly less foul McDermott, but uh, yeah, other than that, I can see a certain similarity. Even David Bowie said... Well, David Bowie didn't say I had Val McDermott's hair. No, no, David Bowie said something very different. Um, David Bowie said whenever he got old, he wanted to grow up to be uh, Samuel Beckett, which I thought was a, a quite a nice thing to say about Beckett. It didn't happen, though, did it? He didn't grow up to be Beckett, no. No, he didn't. He, he, uh, he, he barely grew up. He was about five foot nine or something. Five ten. He was never five, five ten in his stocking heels, surely. David Bowie's not taller than me. David Bowie. Speaking of David Bowie, man, what's the greatest song about? Radio broadcasting that's ever been. Don't think DJ by David Bowie. I'm not sure that's even the greatest. It's a fantastic it's, song. It's, all it's right. a great Lost Bowie single. I am the DJ. I am what I play. We're going to stick it on our radio playlist just to prove the point. We will do, and then we'll stick. Um, what's that terrible Blur song which nicks the bass line? Uh, girls and boys, is it? Yeah, girls who like boys. It's who exactly. Like girls. Listen to it. Uh, don't be saying that's terrible because I, I know my son. Uh, listens to this uh, not because he's contractually obliged because he actually likes it he's a big Blur uh, fan and he's contractually obliged Eli if you're listening to this I quite like the bass line in Girls and Boys John's not so keen I like the bass line in Girls and Boys when it appears in different songs Ooh, just don't burn. like it in that one don't like it in that one when it's made by the uh, come at me cheesemonger come cheese, on cheese creating Tory I just said come on for the first time uh, in weeks I never say that anymore oh, you haven't slapped your thigh once no 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 I'm I've, impressed I've well, 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 we've done... In Oktoberfest is over. In the interim, we've done a couple of shows standing up and in different kind yeah. of uh, postures, which didn't give me a chance to slap my thigh. Uh, speaking of which... Uh, I have to say, this feels a bit weird now. Yeah, yeah. Static. We're out of practice. Static in your room. Ram- two rambling men. Uh, our, our last show, which we recorded, but will, will be coming out for Christmas, so it's coming out after this, is our Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is set... Not set. It's not a fictional it, what, it, tableau. Well, it's... <laughs> 
Well, our story began. Oh, was it though, John? Yeah, yeah. Well, John and I took a visit <laughs> to a haunted rectory in Lisburn with, with some <clears throat> professional ghost hunters, and that will be our Christmas special, winging its way to you. Uh, after this, we had a fine time. We really did. They, they, they couldn't do enough for you. It was, it was actually good fun. We can't reveal too much. Only I will say they did have a lot of equipment. Uh, the the measured radio waves and I know how they feel apparently the Spirit FM wasn't broadcasting that evening there right. was a thing called Spirit FM wasn't there is that what it was yeah the Spirit in the, in the, in the uh, basement they, they had a mad box and made a little noise I said, which was terrible for a podcast I actually said what's that what's that frequency that Spirit can pick and they went well that's Spirit FM <laughs> <laughs> that's a good name for an FM yeah, totally haunting in your ears Right, let's do another one of these hilarious and, and prize-winning factoids. Okay. Factoid, I think, is a bit of a Steve right in the afternoon word. Factoid, always, factoid always also suggests it's not true. Yeah, these are all true. I yeah. never lie. Um, not knowingly. Ev- everyone knows that the first song, in fact, even you and I know this. Actually, I proved earlier I don't know it because I forgot. <laughs> You've just uh, completely... Everyone knows that the first song played on Radio 1 was Flowers in the Rain by The Move. Of course, everyone, even a child knows it, except me. <laughs> but the first piece of music actually heard was George Martin's Theme 1. That was like the... It was the Radio 1 theme tune. How did that go? It was quite... I, I heard can, it. Can you it's a it? bit nondescript. It's, it's sort of orchestral, but with phased drums. It's slightly psychedelic. Oh, it, sounds, sounds, it sounds like so, so, some of the local heads might be into yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it on the playlist, obviously. Let's stick it on the Spotify playlist. Um, but it's it's not that memorable. It's not one of his best not like uh, it, it, it sounds like it would be on B side of um, whatever the Yellow Submarine so it's certainly not soundtrack. up there with his reworking of In My Life uh, voiced by Sean Connery I've not heard that which is one of the most staggeringly awful pieces of music I've ever heard I, it was so awful I <laughs> there are places I remember that's uncanny oh, well, there you in go. my life oh, I've loved them all I found the man who has terrible music taste but is a fantastic musician you do the math bought the George Martin tribute album where he re- reworked some of his earlier bangers if you will well Joe there's a lot of us about yeah and there's celebrities I think Dennis Leary was one and Sean Connery was one Sean Connery did In My Life and I, I, I spontaneously Dennis Leary I spontaneously burst into laughter with Kenko coming out of my nostrils <laughs> when I heard it it was one of the worst things will we stick that on the playlist we may have to now well, we can find it yeah it's probably out there somewhere I'm pretty sure it's out there I don't, I'm, I, what the did ether- Dennis Leary do uh, I am the walrus, possibly. This oh, is... yeah, no, that rings a bell. That is... really rings a bell now. Is this plucked from memory? Or is, this, is this actually a thing? No, I think this is true. Yeah, yeah. I am the walrus. It's crystallizing in my mind, the horror. Cuckoo got a fucking shoe. I smoke. Have you seen Bill Hicks? Good. The walrus doesn't smoke. Um, wow, yeah, let's maybe not put that on there. I think, as a point of reference, I mean, uh, uh, any it's, song it's we mentioned. It's a horrible point of reference. In my life. No, no one said it was going to be easy, right? We, we like to make our listeners work a little. Is this, is this kind of gold that will get us the radio show? Yeah, this is what they want. Uncomfortable little nuggets. Yeah, the punters. You're you're the princess and we're dropping the peas under your mattress. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> After that horrible image. That's a hideous image. What are we doing for time? We're at the half hour mark. Already, Excellent. Joe. Two thirds, three. Shall we move on to uh, a terrible film? That has Do a, a relationship to uh, uh, to radio. So from Brecht and the theory of, of alienation to a film that positively alienates anybody who watches it. Yeah. The boat that rocked. The boat that rocked. The boat that only the film, uh, the four in the funeral would have been if it was set on a boat, written and directed yeah. both. He's an auteur. It should be called by Richard Curtis. It should be called Boat Actually, really, shouldn't it? <laughs> In America, it was called Pirate Radio. Oh Christ! Which, which is at least for the stripping point. it down. Yeah, stripping yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah. I, I, on, a, on a slight speaking of names being different in America, I, I seem to remember that License to Kill was originally going to be called the Bond film. It was going to be called License Revoked, but a test audience in America didn't know didn't what know Revoked, revoked was. Yeah. So, <laughs> it just called it the Bond film. Yeah, Bond, the just Bond film Bond. with the Welsh Bond film. Yeah, the second Welsh Bond film. Bond, just say exactly Welsh what Bond it two. <laughs> Welsh Bond two. Brains faggots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the Better Rots, a 2009 film written and directed by Richard Curtis, uh, starring Bill Nye, Nick Frost, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Reese Iffens, and everybody that uh, Richard Curtis knows. Every lingu- every living English character actor yeah. and American bit part actor of yeah. that era. Is Seriously, in it? the cast is ridiculous. Is John Sim in it? No, why would he be in it? Simon Pegg in it? No. 
What what year was it released? Two thousand nine. It's kind of content, contemporary. Why would John Sim? How does he know him? Johnson you just, you just been... ruined the whole point there <laughs> just by, by plucking two really unlikely names. I've upended. I've upended. You've upended the boat. You've rocked the boat. Sinking. The boat did rock. Blind. Unfortunately, they're clinging on and still making the film. The bastards. Gregor Fisher's in it. Rob he, C. Nesbitt. He might well be. I don't know. Is he not? There's a there's a world of people in this. I, I didn't. There's look a at... world of pain in it. So uh, go on. You 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 actually watched it. So I, didn't I did. Yeah, it, yeah, so. yeah. I watched it. It's. The amazing thing about this film not, is not that it cost, according to IMDb, uh, <laughs> fifty million pounds to make. Um, it's that it's not only two and a quarter hours long. Suffering succotash. If you go onto the DVD, which I have done, um, there are deleted scenes. Which he comes, he comes on at the start and goes, "Yeah, some of the best bits of the film." Uh, didn't make it into the film, but we wanted to show you them anyway. Yeah, Richard, why did you leave the best bits out of the film? Um, is the question I would ask. It didn't move. The, it didn't. I'm going to be him now. Yeah. Didn't didn't move the plot forward. Yeah, yeah. It really, it doesn't have a plot, Richard. You, you it really, doesn't have a plot. Uh, you, you could have you, sucked really anything. You're taking on the Curtis Mantle quite. Yeah, quite yeah. Adamantly. It, 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 it didn't. It didn't really have a plot. It um, didn't, it didn't further along the boat. <laughs> but I mean, if he actually had his own way, yeah. and actually nobody in the studio intervened, this film. Would have been three hours long. Yeah, yeah. Now that's an epic. Yeah. But it's an epic about Tony Blackburn and Dave Lee Travis. And that one, no one remembers. In a boat in the sixties. Yeah, and that one he didn't quite make it to Radio One, and kind of used to do Keith Skews. Home Counties FM for yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's a terrible film for a lot of reasons. It's, it, it, it seems to me that it's it's kind of like Austin Powers stripped of any sense of irony or any sense of you know. Removal or homage. It's actually just Richard Curtis's kind of love letter to radio that he grew up listening to. I guess it's not it's that like, pirate radio under yeah. the bed sheets in the early sixties or whatever. How real it is. But it's all. But it also strikes me that the film he thinks he's making isn't the film that he thinks that other people will you know will appreciate. His idea of pirate radio, I think, is very different from all those working class kids who were inspired by pirate radio listening to it. Forming bands. Richard Curtis didn't form a band. Richard Curtis went to Oxford and studied bloody medieval literature or something. Do you know that for a fact? Uh, I'm plucking those two facts out of the air. Mm. I know he was Oxbridge. I think he might have been Cambridge. Was he Cambridge? I've no idea. I'm trying to remember his relationship to Fran Laurier. Fran Laurier, Fran Laurier Footlights, obviously. Does he have one? He, he worked, he, I mean, he works a lot with Roman Atkinson, but I don't think... Atkinson's he... Oxford, doesn't he? Atkinson, no, he's, he's, he's from somewhere up north. So, Joe... Yeah. Um, Okay, where did Rowan Atkinson go to university? Well, I understand Rowan Atkinson went to Oxford. He may, he may be from the northeast, but I believe that's where him and Richard Curtis uh, first met in Oxford. That's why they've been working, so you're on saying, off working companions. You're saying that them. Richard Curtis may have gone to Harrow and then on to Oxford. I'm saying, without having consulted Google once mm. in the interim, that he possibly went to Harrow and then furthered his education at Oxford, where I believe he studied English literature. Mm. Of course, Joe, there would be no interim because, of course, uh, we'll yeah. probably edit out the fact that the file was filled up. Yeah, and the, and the, and the connection will be seamless. It will be the, seamless. There, there will no, be no seg. No one will ever know. Yeah, seg There's a bit of invisible mending going on here. Um, yeah, but The Rocks. I watched this. I watched all 200, well, however many minutes it is. It's, 140 it's minutes, but it's absolutely arse. From beginning it really to is no. any, any redeeming features it's it's a Britpop movie made 10 years too late yeah there was a there are montages galore there's there loads of skimply clad models dancing on deck well, yes there yeah. really are I guess that I haven't even seen the, it the cast list basically you've got a load of men who elect to live on a boat middle aged men middle aged I'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> Let to go on the boat. It's basically based on the story of Radio Caroline if you don't know about Radio Caroline uh, in the uh, 60s um, the light program, uh, which was the forerunner to Radio One, only played about forty minutes of pop music a day, um, and there's some so, strict limits on that. Yeah, there were some very strict limits on it. Um, so what happened was that uh, outside producers set up um, ships, old ships in the sea, uh, the, the North Sea, uh, and they would play rock and roll records, and you could pick them up. It was like um, on your transistor radio, and listen to them under the bed sheets and have a rock and good time. Um, and it was a sort of legal loophole. And the, the, the story of the film is that these cool pirates are all cool guys uh, are out on this boat, and uh, a government idiot 
wants to stop them for no good reason. It's Kenneth Branagh. Of course it is. So you know he's a baddie. Playing the type again. Uh, who keeps saying vaguely sexual things so you know these are wrong and somehow yeah. but hey on but, one he's, level. But, but he's one of ours so that's okay is he one of ours? apparently he's, he's, he's from Belfast he's also from Reading bit, so you know, manner, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Sort of one of mine as well yeah it's kind of like um, it's kind of like St George who uh, he's both English and Turkish mm. take your pick but so choose uh, your side Kenneth carry on John our in on this is uh, the godson of uh, Quinton he's played by Bill Nye um, who run is the operator of this this thing? And is, is he a bit of a loose dude? He's quite loose. He's, is, he, is he doing a night? He's 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 very much himself in this. Yeah, um, <laughs> going around. Oh, 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 would like to smoke a spliff. Does he say That's far out at any time? I think he might do. Oh, he might be out. lying down with a bandana over his. Oh, far out. <laughs> um, everybody isn't in this is portrayed as an absolute moron. They're all just running around being idiots. Um, but that's not even the worst thing. There's no plot. Nothing really happens. The sort of plot that there is there is like a MacGuffin. It's this guy trying to stop them and then running rings around him, but not doing that because they actually don't interact with him at all on any level. Um, they have a spy who comes in. This is the measure of this film. He's played by Jack Davenport, and he's called Mr. Twat. <laughs> With two T's. God, yes. Or three Le- T's, really. Less two at the end. Lest there be any confusion. Uh, there's a brilliant cutaway at the end where... Her, a uh, brilliant cutaway, John? Yeah. Br- Brandon's secretary is revealed, uh, who's just referred to as Miss C, yeah. all the way through it, uh, tells us her surname is Clit. So it's Twat and Clit. Oh, for Christ's sake. That's the level. The thing about Bill Nye, Bill Nye used to have a career. Bill Nye is a good actor. I have a theory about Bill Nye. Bill Nye's real-life persona is quite loose and likeable. So, you know, tinged by the 60s. And I think cast casting directors once Bill Nye became famous wanted his real personality rather than his acting capability so he's constantly repeating these dreadful rules where he's saying far out dude and chill out and having a bit of a legal regal rather than acting properly I like anymore. to think that his main acting is now the pers- the construct of his own personality which was always there and he works it, it hard turns out that all that he, he had to do set. was be Bill Nye from the yeah, yeah. yeah. should I just be you know, higher uh, okay um <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 just full of nonsense. There's a bit at the start where the, somebody says, "Let's think outside the box." In a film set in 1966. Yeah. I mean it's just lazy. Do you think the film would be made in the in the post U tree climate? Do you think it's still chime? Not not that it chimed in 2009. Remotely. That's a really interesting question because of course all the people in the film <laughs> are like young versions yeah. of the people who would be the radio either disgraced or at least tempted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is that sort of boorish sexism, which you could argue is a snapshot of, of the time of, of male uh, positions at the time. But it's a very re- positions. <laughs> Careful, John. If you get his meaning. Um, or you'll be swabbing the poop deck. But it doesn't look like that now because it's yeah. photographed in modern times. A lot of the fashions look lazily constructed. Yeah, um, it's something like it could be made in the sixties or seventies. Yeah, but it's boorish nonsense. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, right? It's so leaden. There's montage after montage. It's just all these constant cuts to people dancing uh, to the records they're playing and these obvious things. There's a bit where, right? Basically, Quinton, Bill Nye's character, pimps out his niece, Marianne. Jesus. To um, look at me shocked. Jesus. I know. To the the main character, who's like a young person. He's, uh, who, he's who's that, is, is that Chris Evans? Any chance? I, I can't remember his name. He's nobody. Um, he's nobody. And uh, at the end of the evening, she ends up in bed um, with Nick Frost's character. And he's heartbroken because so he reckons he's fallen in love with her. So they have a scene of him sitting there with So Long Marianne by Leonard Cohen playing in the background. Oh, so it's... I, which I really like. But then, it's, it's soundtracking by numbers. Yeah. Every, yeah, there's a... Then Tony Blackburn marries a woman called Eleanor and uh, they start playing the song Eleanor by the Turtles. It's just, you know... And they also, they nick that thing from Tony Blackburn's later life. Happened in the 70s because he married Tessa Wyatt. Yeah. And uh, had a bit of a mental breakdown and started yeah. playing in Chicago as if you leave me now over and over again on his record show. Was, was that honey and they by put that back? Was that honey by Bob, Bobby Goldsborough? Apparently it was. Uh, honey, I miss was, you. Apparently it was Chicago. Oh, I read that today. I did research. You done some Blackburn research? I've done some Black. I love Blackburn. Good I'm a big fan of Blackburn. He's a strange character. He's well. He's a nice man. There's something of the, the Twilight about Blackburn. There's nothing of the, the Twilight, twilight of the Blackburn. 
And, and it's not his career, that, that's for sure. He's going still, as strong as ever. Still going strong, finally well, getting the love and respect well, he John, deserves. I, I have a couple of surprising facts for you about The Boat That Rocked. One of them is it's billed as a comedy drama slash musical. Right. Is that fair to say? No. And uh, it lost money at the box office, you might be surprised to learn. It, it got back 10 million, I think, from its 50 million outlet. Yeah, it lost 14 million overall net. Probably oh, uh, did all right in residuals. And the, and the North American release, 20 minutes were cut. And it was retitled, as you said, Pirate Radio. Pirate Radio. The film so, had grossed 36 million. I think grossed is the right word. So I did some very, very nerdy research on this because it's basically the story of the young people. The young people from the 60s who were DJs. So you've got people like Tony Blackburn, who at the time, 1966, was 23. Yeah. Dave Lee Travis, 21. Kenny Everett, 22. Emperor Roscoe, him again. 24 what a callback um, even Bob Harris now there's a character in this who he whispers bit, who is like yeah he's whispering the night and he's uh, he's played by Ralph uh, Brown who played Danny the Dealer in with yeah, yeah 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 right um, but this is set in 1966 yeah. so he's basically Bob Harris Bob Harris would have been 20 uh, at this point John Peel 27 he's the daddy of them all right. it's, not, it's not interesting that John Peel was the, the senior partner and it's John Peel's seen as the they had a, the go, the godfather of the kids. Well, I was reading a brilliant really? I was reading a brilliant interview with Tony Blackburn today. He insists yeah. that John Peel was who had a problem with him the entire time. And he goes, <laughs> "Hey, people don't know that you do so much for uh, uh, for soul music." And he goes, "Yeah, and you wouldn't tell him uh, 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 in real life, would you?" And he goes, "No, I wouldn't." And uh, he insists that he was jealous because he wasn't as good at being a DJ as the rest of the DJs. And he had to go off and do the perfume garden and invent this mythos and start playing. He's going, he started playing these records that uh, even he hated, but he learned yeah. to like them because it was his job. Oh, um, that's both. He can't get his head around the notion delicious. that he was trying to do anything else. But that's delicious and bitchy. Yeah, I like I, it. I love that kind of, uh, that, that kind of uh, weird uh, attitude of kind of guys from a certain generation who's sort of slightly past their sell by the other, looking back bitterly. Yeah. You know, going, well, he of was course, jealous. Of course, I was the innovator back then. That was a. I was the first one who played Flowers in the Rain on Radio 1. And uh, years later, someone on the podcast won't know that. So in 2009, uh, Chris O'Dowd, who was playing the oh Tony Blackburn character, was 30. Yeah. Uh, Reese Darby, who was playing Kenny Everett, was 35. Reese Iffens, who was playing, I have no idea he was playing, uh, a member of Oasis, um, was 42. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was 42. Nick Frost was 37. Yeah. And Ralph Brown uh, was 52, meaning that Ralph Brown's character would have been born in 1914. <laughs> he saw service, or at least his parents did. Yeah. I, I think he had a bad World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, you know, Daddy never came home. To find him in the bowels of his ship playing, you know. So his character Freud would records. have spent his, his formative years in a workhouse, I would imagine. I don't know what he'd been doing, yeah. Edwardian, he's probably yeah. a conscientious objector. Black Long, yeah, yeah, you know, probably as, as, as down the mines. Down the mines, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's astonishing. Also, uh, isn't I, I, I bet if you looked at the female casting, uh, it would be considerably younger. There was virtually no female casting. Well, but, course, yeah, well, but, but mainly, mainly the. Well, what about all the scantily clad models on the boat? Yeah. Is there ever a scene that? Let me guess. Is there a scene where Bill Nye's dressed a bit like a ship's captain, but a rakish one with a neckerchief, and there's a model on each arm? No, that doesn't happen. That's a shame. That's a shame. That's a shame. There is, for no reason, uh, they recreate the cover of Electric Ladyland. With all so those it's naked basically, ladies. There's a guy called Midnight Mike or something, yeah. and he's in a room and there's loads of naked ladies all around him. Yeah. And that's there. But the thing is, but who's there's this no film reason for? for it. Was this film made for men in their 50s and 60s, baby boomers who remember that? Or is it made for a younger Because a younger generation, that nothing about the vernacular of that film speaks to young cinema goers. It's a thing from another time. It can be you can see the sort of mechanics of it. The mechanics of it are the same. If you can as, see the mechanics, it's probably not a good movie. The same mechanics as what Kingsman, the first Kingsman film. Yeah, it's a young neophyte. He gets involved in a peculiar world. Of but that's a very, but that's very assured. But that's very locked down and very self-assured. Yeah, it got its references down tight. This sounds like a, a, a kind of gobby mess of one man's kind of. This is, this is a young man going to live for no particular reason. Yeah on a boat full of uh, sexually incontinent middle-aged men yeah. in the middle of the North Sea. Yeah, but that's um, themed as cool. That's and, that's themed as they're, cool. and they're cool. Yeah. It's, 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 that's the thing. It doesn't work because no one involved is cool. There's a bit where um, 
two of the characters climb up the mast and jump in the sea as a sort of dick swinging sort of macho yeah. fight and then become good buddies afterwards and it's like it has no bearing on the rest of the plot the people involved in it don't have anything to do with the thing that's supposed to be causing it yeah and that's exactly what's wrong with this film it's clumpy bit after clumpy bit after clumpy bit and then the boat sinks and that's the end spoiler of the spoiler alert Oh yeah, sorry. The boat sinks at the end. That is a spoiler. John, I, I've got a problem. What about you and me get a rubber dinghy, inflate that rubber dinghy, take yeah. it out to sea, or take, take it to the river and do a podcast on the river? Would that make us cooler? I don't think we could get cooler. Than, than we are right now? Yeah, right now, at this moment in time. Get white sun. hot with cool. Yeah, yeah. That's what we are right now. The, That's what's happening here. The cool's burning me up. Yeah, oh my God. So the boat that rocks... Getting frostbite from you, Joe. So the boat that rocks is a terrible film about radio. Yeah, it's a terrible film about radio. We could have done uh, Radio Days, but we can't do that because he is uh, he, persona non grata. Yeah, yeah. We could have done the one about, uh, you know, the Vietnam War, Korean War, if it was, with uh, Good Morning Vietnam. That's the fellow. So yeah, yeah. It's a clue in the title. It's probably not Korea. Um, I saw I remember as a kid, the trailer and the hype was so exciting. And as a teenager, you want to see that. I saw the, I, snuck, I stuck the film out in VHS. Yeah. My parents wouldn't let me see it because it was a 15, I think. And it was rubbish. I found it really tedious. I found Robin Williams quite tiring. I found a string of strategically placed 60s songs, which became a staple, Yeah, I guess, in, in those kind of movies. Someone's uh, about to get shot, and in slow motion, there's a bit of classical music, that bit, there's an adagio, and a bit of slow motion music. That they adagio for strings. For strings, that's the one, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, or uh, Give Me Shelter, when someone's, a helicopter's landing, and so on and so forth. It's just kind of, Tickish, nervous reaction kind of filmmaking. Yeah, but it's sort of yeah, ripped off um, Apocalypse Now, but also, oh, yes, of course, but also completely right. stolen from every advert in the nineteen eighties onwards. Oh God, yeah. When suddenly everything like that became, uh, you know, fair fair game. Yeah. Let's just ha- let's have everything piecemeal. Yeah. Let's steal all culture and make it an advert. Yeah, but those kind of films don't make radio seem attractive. Radio was an attractive thing. I remember as a kid. I know John Peel was the, was the big name for pale young teenage boys with a bookish sensibility I'll tell you who my uh, secret lesson was go on after a hard day studying for my GCSEs not uh, I'd go into the bed sheets and turn on Nicky Campbell <laughs> Nicky Campbell Radio 5 chat I, mainstay Nicky you, Campbell you used, heard it here first Nicky Campbell used to present the show I think it was the late 80s early 90s where he had really interesting guests on well, he had Tim Machine on once he had Ray Davis in at about ten, between ten and eleven, they they played a session. Some some. How old were you? Sixteen. You're an old soul. Aren't I would have been. Four- oh, the Kinks, brilliant. I would have been. I would have been from the age of about fourteen to the age of about sixteen. Nicky Campbell, he had Terry Holland. He had some, you know, a, a kind of weird mix of, you know, quite interesting, good artists. He had quite big name artists. Uh, and can that, I that, that I didn't really listen to John Peel. Annie Not Night- you as well. Annie Nightingale. Annie Nightingale. I listened to a bit of Annie Nightingale. Like Annie, Annie Nightingale. Nightingale. She's amazing. The thing I knew about John Peel was someone used. To copy the Festa 50 for me and give it to me I never really wanted it yeah. a friend of mine said there, he used to distribute them in our class yeah. like like he was passing around nudie mags there a, you go lads an, another wink, full wink. session woo yeah okay with the Inspiral Carpet shirt number 7 and number 3 yeah, how anyway. did that happen well let's move it on because uh, I, I, I think the that was a terrible film I think we the only book. reason we did that we didn't do the other films is I was in um, the charity shop yesterday and you got sorry, it for two quid sorry for a pound <laughs> a pound a pound discount and I thought well, it's funny for money. You get a lot, but you get a lot of nothing for your buck here. I've got to say though, isn't there a, a DVD extra where a beleaguered and bored-looking Richard Curtis is kind of talking to or trying to acknowledge the rest of the cast? It's borderline apology. It is borderline <laughs> apology. He's sort of there going, "Yeah, what we made, you know, I feel sorry for the cast because a lot of the stuff where they were funniest isn't in the film." But you had to go with an idea, and I think sometimes Just we didn't get that took you, right. Wherever the news took us in this direction, but uh, Bill Nye was doing some juggling over there. But we had to focus on Reese Evans' buttocks. Yeah, but if you look at the DVD extras, you can see the whole uh, James Corden being kidnapped. Corden's scenario. on it. He's not in it. They've edited him out. The only good decision, presumably, they made. He's not in the finished film. He's in the extras. He ruined Cruise of the Gods for me. That's all I'll say. Yeah, and he you didn't know. He didn't know what was going to happen then, did you? No, no. He, he looked like a normal fat man. He looked like a guy... Which is obviously a kind of blight on society as opposed to, you know... He, he looked like the kind of guy who would never make anything of himself because yeah. he was too fat. Turns out that was a positive boon in the end because he was also cheeky and choppy. He's a cheeky fellow, isn't he? The cold, he? dead eyes of cheeky, choppy James Corden. Should we do another um, fun fact? I love a radio fact. Give right, me a radio okay. fact. Hit me with your rhythm stick. 
The theme music to Descent Island Discs is Eric Coates. Descent Island Discs? What? Sorry, carry on. I thought... I'm mid fact. What are you doing? <laughs> Bellowing across the room. <laughs> fact is interrupted. Sorry. Yeah. Gla- glass in hand. <laughs> Wallowing in your own crapulence. Carry on. Um, I'll start again on that one. I think you yeah, probably yeah. should. The theme music to Desert Island Discs is Eric Coates by the Sleepy Lagoon. The shipping forecast theme is Sailing by Ronald Bing or Binge. The theme of the Archers is Barwick Green by Arthur Wood. And the Dick Barton theme is The Devil's Gallop by Charles Williams. Now there's a tune. It is. What a great title. That devil. It sounds like it as well. The de- it does. It does sound like a rollicking. It's a, it's a, it's a I wonder if we can get that for our playlist. Let's hope we can. Spotify's a. We should be able to get all of those. Yeah. Well, Spotify's a. Uh, it's usually reliable, but it, it does it does have the odds. Sailing by has been on a couple Gap. of compilations. I know that much. Yeah. So we should be able to get that one at least. At least, at least we can get the karaoke version. Like that time we got the karaoke version of Raspberry Beret <laughs> at that party and rock the joint. That did really rock the joint. That was the Panpipes Raspberry Beret. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. There was a fight over getting Raspberry Beret on. People sat back, cleared the decks, pressed play. It was the Panpipe mood version of Raspberry Beret. Oh, it so literally did clear the decks. Um, right, so that's radio done. That's pretty much. Uh, unless you've got any uh, radio-based uh, business, I, I, I can't think of anything other than uh, Radio Gaga, the, well, uh, the Queen song. We're missing. We're missing a point. Now, that's going to be on the playlist. Don't worry. Yeah, but we're I missing to, a, I trick make a point. I want to tell you a fact about that. Oh, okay. In that case, it's not a massively interesting fact, but it's fact. It was meant to be. The lie about the song is there's like a myth and there's a truth. The myth about the song is. <laughs> is there a myth and a truth? There's a myth and a truth. Okay. Yeah. There's a hit and a myth. A hit and a myth. Uh, it's going to do the same. The myth is joke. the popular myth is that Roger um, Taylor, who who wrote that song, because Queen oh. Queen divvied up the songwriting duties. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it was quite a, an equitable arrangement. They all had a number one hit. They all had a number one hit. Roger Taylor was meant to have written it. Or the 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 legend goes that he wrote it as a homage to old time radio, not not like video killed the radio star. It was his homage to listening to the radio things like Radio Caroline mm. on their bed sheets. The reality is, it was because he heard his young son. Say when the radio came on, say Radio Gaga repeatedly when the when he turned the radio on in his car. So it was the babblings of a of, of an insentient child. That is, that, that. is that true? Though? That's actually true. Is that son, true? I'll tell you how I know it's true because his son's called Felix. That doesn't prove that it's true, but it proves that I actually know what his son's called, which means there's a degree of veracity in that. You can take that to the bank. Okay. He heard his son Felix I in his four by four saying Radio Gaga, Radio Gaga. And that's, that became the core of the lyric. I thought it was one of those stories where, like, he was uh, he turned he switched on MTV on the tube, and uh, he was disgusted at the pap he saw, and he thought, right, let's get I'm, back to. I'm the... gonna I'm gonna write a song about how yeah. shit all the records are. Yeah. But actually, your story is quite sweet. Yeah, it and, was... ma- and makes me like Roger Taylor, who I liked anyway. I always like Roger Taylor. Yeah, right. with this high, he's got he's, he's got four octave range, you know. He has a beautiful low gravelly but... voice. And the voice of a schoolgirl as well. High up there, stuff. but raspy all the way. I don't know how. Yeah, 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 yeah. High rasp, sweetly raspy. Yeah, it's beautiful. Always oh, honey and mustard. That man. Oh, always he? gorge. He really is. He's tot gorge. Uh, right. I've got another fact here. Let's go with that. Go on. Uh, Not a factoid, but a fact. Uh, that's a bore. It's a really boring fact, actually. Let me and see. Then, let and me then see. I got distracted by Adrian Just. Oh, Chris, that is a boring fact. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> we shouldn't even read that out. Uh, okay, I've got other facts, don't worry. You really do. Uh, okay, Chris Evans. <laughs> oh, Chris, that's never, that's never a promising start. Here we go. Uh, Chris Evans got his start in radio life as Timmy Mallet's assistant playing a character called Nobby No Level. <laughs> it gets better. Whose catchphrase was, What I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> That is hugely plausible, and there's something beautifully zen. Why about would that. you even think that wasn't plausible? That's, That's hugely obviously pl- the truth. Whenever you mention Chris Evans and Timmy Mallet in the same sentence, well, I don't yeah. know, I don't know. That makes sense. That yeah, makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobby, no level. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's like a discarded Vic and Bob character. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and I think he's kept that maxim in his head somewhere subconsciously throughout his career. He revels in his own ignorance, wallows in it like feculence. Do you want to win your feculence? My own feculence? Or yeah, someone else's? Your share of feculence? Ah, I like to. Now yeah, again, you know. Nice. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh, it's like Bisto in here. It's good to wallow, but it's even better to share. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do one more fact, because this is quite sad. It's, it's a sad fact? It's from the, from the early days of radio. Okay, is it, does, does it have an up left in the end, or is it going to be... Quite the opposite, Joe. Quite the opposite. Poignant? 
Yeah. Maybe, Joker? maybe we should just leave him on this 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 image. Leave him dangling. Yeah. Okay. Shall we sign off before you give the fact, or will we sign off after you give the fact? Uh, ooh, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's... Do you want to leave it hanging in the air? This fact. Just just leave it hanging as the music as the moonlight sonata just drifts in. Yeah. All right then. In that case, let's sign off now. Okay. Well, uh, it's been wonderful um, to broadcast to you, albeit through the medium of digital audio. Fingers That's crossed. Good. One day this will be radio. Come on, pluck us, pluck us for stardom. One day this will be. FM radio this will be long wave radio form as opposed to you downloading an iTunes track which I hope you're downloading because it saves time and battery yeah uh, they're not doing that they're not doing that they're not doing that if they're listening at all no one's even listening to the podcast and if you are listening thank you again our listener thanks Eli (laughs) and Eli the checks in the post yes I pay my own son to listen yeah yeah you would thanks for tuning in guys he's bringing the demographic right down right down only in age but not in quality no, absolutely. The kids got chops. Um, thank you for listening. I've been Jonah Waz. I have also been Jonah Waz <laughs> on this <laughs> occasion. <laughs> Which is a coincidence because we're also both stalemates. Uh, no, I've been John Patrick Higgins. The Patrick's important to Patrick's me. Patrick's hugely important. If, if not to you. It marks him out as an Irishman amidst the sea of hostiles. Yeah, it's true. Um, one last slightly depressing fact for you now. Nathan B. Stubblefield, a farmer from Kentucky made a voice transmission four years before Tesla transmitted radio signals. Afraid of his invention being stolen, he never patented it. When he died in 1929, it was found in his shed, eaten by his cats. Good night.